Good morning. Thank you, Gloria. That was beautiful. I, for one, am a man who loves Christmas. And I'm not afraid to show it. And fortunately, it became very infectious to both Natalie and Jeff. So if you drive by either house, you'll see signs. <laughs> Although, I think my daughter single-handedly challenges the grid for this area. Uh, I used to put, now this will sound shocking to you. I used to put about 2,500 mini lights on my tree. Some of you are going to go, oh. Um, so she asked if she could decorate it one year. I'm on my way back home. She calls me and she says, we have a problem. And I said, what? And she says, the tree is only half lit. I mean, it's only, I said, were there bad strings? And she goes, no, there weren't enough. <laughs> and I went, are you sure? Did you get all the boxes? Yes, I, I did. They're just not enough. So swing by and get, so I said, you used all 2,500. She said, yeah. So get about 15 more 100 light strings. And that was the start of her, I don't even know how many are on Randy and Natalie's tree. It's a big, tall tree, but it's, it's a lot. To me, Christmas lights, to me, are part of the proclamation that a Savior was born. That's just me. I love them. And I give an A for effort to anybody who puts them up. Now, granted, not everybody has the gift of making them look a certain way, but to me, if you go through the trouble to hang them, you get credit. So um, this morning, I, I was watching a, um, a video that Ray had sent me by the U.S. Air Force Band and uh, at the, uh, was the National Aeronautic Museum. And so the people were just there. Now, some of you may be familiar a little bit with seeing that in shopping malls, every once in a while, they get surprised by either a choir or a band or something comes in. And it's just a very joyful thing. This one was magnificent. Unfortunately, our system here is too antiquated coming into the building and it's overloaded. Um, and so we can't, I was going to have them play it for you this morning. It's wonderful. But you can get the, the site. Um, from Ray, uh, and it's just a blessing. Because it starts out with one guy in a coat who all of a sudden takes off his coat and he's in his dress, uh, dark blues, Air Force blues, sits down in a chair and he has the big bass like Adam, and he just starts playing. I believe the whole thing was um, uh, Joy to the World, but I could be wrong on that, uh, the whole thing. And so that was so nice. And then all of a sudden, out comes this guy that's the conductor. So it's a little overdone, you know, conductor and one guy. You know, but no sooner had it ran through my mind than all of a sudden, there's a couple more bases. And then there's, a, there's three or four that come out, take off their coats. So they looked very, they were in the crowd, but they, you know, just looked like part of the crowd. Came some violins and then some brass, 
And then two women up on the second story, because it was a real big rotunda, started to sing the beautiful Joy to the World. Ooh, boy, I'm telling you, they got me. And then all of a sudden some brass trumpets come up on both sides up above and add to it, and then more come down below. Pretty soon there's a complete symphony and a complete brass ensemble, and oh yeah, all of a sudden there's just a full choir. It was the most magnificent thing to watch. It is such a blessing. And it dawned on me, without Christ, there'd be none of this. Without our Savior, we wouldn't be here today. Without Jesus Christ, we would be lost. And that's what makes this time of year so joyful for me. I simply titled my message, The Words of Jesus, from our passage this morning. Do you wish to get well? That, were, that was his words. Do you wish to get well? So we will be reading from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. The Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. When Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that he had already been there a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps before me. Jesus said to him, Get up. Pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. So you can imagine what the Pharisees had to say if you read on in that chapter that this miraculous act, this act of love, mercy, grace, to someone who was locked into a horrid disease that crippled him, was rescued by the only one who can rescue. When Jesus asked him the question, do you wish to be well? It wasn't just mere curiosity. Because remember, who's the great physician? Who's the great physician? Who's the one who's given wisdom to the doctors and the nurses and the knowledge in all our hospitals? Jesus Christ. To every medical invention that has taken place, it came to them through our merciful God. Do you want to get well? 
A lot of us lately have, had, have been battling with one thing or another. Some of us still are. Continue to pray for Colin. He's still having trouble. As well as there's many others. But when it's over, isn't it a wonderful feeling? Ah, oh, to have health back. Well, to the degree we can have it back. Some of us more mature ones, you know, you don't get as much back. But you're still better off once that ailment's gone. There's a relief, isn't there? To use that term, get well, I found a quick definition. Kind of goes like this. In good health, sound in body and mind. That means well. Are you well? He is not a well man. To make healthy, whole, or sound. Restore to health. Free from ailment. To free from evil. How about that? Cleansed, purified. To heal the soul. To effect a cure of a wound, broken bone. To become whole or sound. To mend. Our God is in the business, if you'll allow me that liberty, to heal. Because he loves us. Because he desires for us to have a better life. But that can only come through him. One of my favorite portions of uh, Psalm 103 is the beginning where David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. He is the one who can do this. Jeremiah 30, verse 17 states it this way, For I will restore you to health, and I will heal you of your wounds, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast, saying, It is Zion. No one cares for her. That's the kind of God we have. He cares for us. He genuinely cares for each and every one of us. He doesn't just care for those who have come to the realization of who he really is and have accepted him as his Lord and Savior, who is the majority of us in here, if not all. We've discovered that. But he still cares for those who haven't. He loves those who haven't. He doesn't want to see anybody perish. That's the kind of God we have. The thing I love about Scripture, the thing I love about the words of Christ, is they're not just words, they're promises, aren't they? The Bible is just loaded with promises after promises. And once you've walked with them a while, boy, you've experienced them, haven't you? But he does care also for the physical. 
He cares to see people healed. And he did a lot of that while he was here. He healed a lot of conditions. And we're familiar with that, emotional, physical, mental. We're surrounded by it. My goodness, it's a multi-billion dollar industry annually to try and help people with illness. But truly, Jesus Christ is the only solution. He is the only solution for the other that we need to be healed from, and that's sin. That's the biggest. It isn't cancer. It isn't diabetes. It isn't anything else that's out there that's plaguing the hospitals and the doctors and nurses and the care. The greatest is sin because it is the thing that keeps us from heaven. It is the thing that blocks us. The moment we're born, we're sinners. That never goes away. But oh, how wonderful when we can say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But I'm still a sinner. But then once we get there, it'll all be changed. In a twinkling of an eye. But Jesus Christ is the only solution for sin. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 states, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as, even as the rest. That is flat out repugnant to some people. They don't like the idea. You know, they, there, is the, there is the concept that's been around for decades, if not centuries, the golden rule. Live by the golden rule. Somehow you'll make it. And they genuinely believe that. But it's foolish because there's nobody good enough. He says simply, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody's in the all. Then there are those who say, well, I don't believe it. That's your idea of it. I don't believe it. I'm telling you, every single person who has said that, that has gone on to the next world, understands how wrong they were immediately. They can be smug about it here. I've seen guys sit there and, and, and say, you know, we're just going to have a great party, me and my buddies. There is no party. There's nothing except torment in hell. Period. Nothing else. There's no other way. All the false religions will be there. Trust me. Only those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ won't be. 
But Jesus cares. Jesus genuinely wants us to be healed, wants us to be saved, wants to give us the promises, wants to give us the hope, wants to give us the blessed concept of where we will end up. Jeremiah 33, 6 through 9. Behold, I will bring it, I will bring to it, I will, well, let's, sorry, let's try this again. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them, and I will reveal to them an abundance of peace and truth. Does that sound like a God who doesn't care? Does that sound like a God who's indifferent to our needs? I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and will rebuild them as they were at first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. I will pardon all their iniquities, all their iniquities, by which they have sinned against me and by which they have transgressed against me. It will be to me a name of joy, praise, and glory before all the nations of the earth, which will hear of all the good that I do for them. And they will fear and tremble because of all the good and all the peace that I will make for it. That is our God. That is the one who loves us madly. Madly. That's why he gets so upset when we sin against him. And he has the right. And we're fools for doing it. But praise be to God. We can just turn and we can repent. But he cares about us. Romans 3, 22 and 24. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Jesus Christ. Promise after promise after promise after promise. So why do people stubbornly, foolishly resist such a marvelous gift? A question for us. Do we want Jesus to make us well? Remember, Jesus is the only cure. He's the only solution for the forgiveness of sins. He loves us. John 15, 9 through 12. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I loved you. That's the foundation of this church. Jesus Christ and him crucified and his love. We heard about it this morning. That's why we come. That's why we remember him. That's why we're thankful. That's why we're joyful. And yet, there are those 
who simply don't want it. I want to tell you, I, was, I grew up in a home where there wasn't God. Something happened at a very early age for all my, my mom and all her brothers and sisters, and they wanted nothing to do with him. So I got to the point where I just decided that's good enough for me. And she said, the irony is they used to send us to, to uh, Sunday school, even though they didn't believe in it. There's a, there's a message, isn't it, huh? There's a real example. So at the ripe old age of 14, I went home after church one day, and I said, that's it, I'm done. She said, you are not, you'll go, and you'll, you'll go to Sunday school. I said, are you coming with me? And she said, no. And I said, then it's done. And so off I went to live my life, Went in the service, found a lot of sin there. And that's not to dis, to dis, um, or bring any shame upon the service. It's just the opportunities are there when you're not a believer, in abundance. And I was ready for them. And they brought nothing. They gave me nothing. I'm thankful I served my country, but the sin did nothing for me. Until I met a undertow in Hawaii, because I was really a hardcore atheist at that point, and then it became very, very clear that I wasn't going to make it. So I said, just on the outside that there might be a God out there, Let's cut a little deal. So, miraculously, we won't go into details, I got out of that, which was so undeniable after what I asked. And then I convinced myself it was just a a seismic activity off the coast of Hawaii. Um, But I did change to agnostic. I couldn't anymore be a hardcore atheist, you know. Well, there might be something out there, so... You know, I'm an agnostic. But I'm telling you, the day I heard a testimony of a guy just like me and opened my eyes up to what a filthy, rotten sinner I was. Cold-hearted, cold-blooded, unthankful, sarcastic, arrogant person. That night I got down on my knees and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and that's it. It's that, it was that clear to me. And it's always been that clear to me. He healed me that day. Now, was I perfect? Oof, no. But he was there to help me along the way. The devil has so many different thoughts and religions and concepts out there. And he's there at every unbeliever to fill their greatest thoughts and, and, and ways to do whatever they want to do, as long as they don't turn to Christ. But Jesus loves us. He loved me in spite of who I was. He loved me in spite of the things that I used to say about Christians, and I used to say some really cruel things. As I said before, ship I was on over in Vietnam, there was a 
quartermaster who used to, in his spare time, and never left the ship for liberty because he was, he was a Christian, he loved his wife and kids, and he used to read his Bible up on the bridge, on the plotting table, and I would just give him the hardest time, constantly. He's going to fall over when he sees me, when we're in glory. Or maybe he won't, because maybe he prayed for me a lot. But he has so much to give us. He has so much he wants to. And the only problem, the only real interference in that is us. We're the ones who don't allow him to give us everything he wants to give us. It's foolishness. Just remember, if you're, you're here this morning and you're struggling with a sin and you just can't seem to overcome it, stop listening to the devil and realize he's there. He's a solution. Matthew 4, 23 and 24, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Does that sound like a guy who's not, who doesn't care? The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those who were suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralyzed people, for lack of being able to say the right word, and to heal them. That's what he wants to do. He wants to heal us, and then he wants to take care of us. And when we let him do that, tell me life isn't good. Tell me life isn't wonderful. Tell me it isn't joyful. Tell me it isn't the best peace under the sun. And yet, there are times when we sin. If we could just learn to be so smart that when the Holy Spirit lets us know, and if you're a saved person, no matter how long you've been a saved person, and you're here today, and you can't tell when you've transgressed, one of two things is wrong, besides the transgression. You've either been away from him so long, you can't tell anymore when you're arrogant, when you're proud, when you're rebellious, when you're foolish. Or you really don't know who he is. You really don't have him as your savior. You really don't have the spirit of God in you. Because there are times when I'll say something regretfully and life turns miserable. But the moment I go back and I take care of it, oh, life is wonderful. That's the way it is with Jesus Christ. He's the one we go to. He's the one we surrender to. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him, it's this easy to accept him. 
And I guarantee you, you will look back and say, why did I fight it so long to resist him, to not accept him? You'll look and say, what is wrong with me? But at the same time, you'll be dancing. You'll be happy. You'll be joyful. You'll have peace you didn't know even existed. And all you have to do is believe on him. Believe he is who he says he is. Believe him that he went to the cross. He, he died there for you. He bled. He washed. His blood washes sins away. Period. And this is the kind of God we have. You can go back later and say, hey, how about this and this and this? And if they were under the blood at that time, you know what God says? They're as far as the east is from the west. Can you get that? Do they ever meet? Sure, maybe in sci-fi. And what is sci-fi? Science fiction. Okay? Not putting sci-fi down, but you get my idea? Okay? There is no meeting. That way is God. The sins confessed are that way. They never come back in his mind. If you bring them back to God, he'll say, I don't know what you're talking about. They're under the blood. So simply, all we have to do, and those who have done this understand this, it is so easy, but man's pride is just so arrogant, so foolish, is Romans 10, 9 and 10. It just doesn't get easier than that. Do we have to do it with a sincere heart? Absolutely. Do we have to believe he is who he is? Absolutely. But sooner or later, if enough people pray for you, and if enough people uh, share with you, and you finally get to the end of yourself because life can be miserable without him, you just got to do this. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Big promise. Big promise. And some say, take it to the bank. For with a heart, a person believes. That's our heart. That's the center of our affections, isn't it? That's where we get to where we have mercy and we have love for one another. It's affection. It's the heart. And the affection has to be there for Christ and what he's done for us. And with a heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. And I know I've shared this verse over and over, but it, it's just so easy. It's so clear. And the only thing that separates those who don't know him from accepting him is pure foolishness supplied daily by the devil who will sit there and send a funnel of whatever is necessary to keep the person distracted, to keep the person busy, to keep the person involved in something else or a person or a place. But that's all it is because Jesus is there. Jesus wants to give the free gift of eternal life. Mark 5.15, they came to Jesus and observed that the man who had been demon-possessed and sitting down, 
That's the guy who was crazy in the cemetery, okay? Called Legion, remember? And then they, the, the demons went out of him into the herd of pigs and went over the cliff. But I love this part because it's so true for everyone. They came to Jesus. In other words, the, the village people, because they weren't happy because they lost their herd of pigs. And observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. Now, this is a crazy guy who there were never chains strong enough. There was never enough rope that could hold him down. And he'd just go and go and go. The very man had the legion. And here's the sad part. They became frightened. Why? Because they couldn't see the glorious transformation of a demon-possessed man into a man who was peaceful, joyful, and loving the Lord because they weren't ready. And that's all it is. It's just humbling ourselves before God and accepting the free gift that's so marvelous. The joy, the peace, the love. And instantly, and we've talked about this recently, the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God. That's the other thing. And this stumbles some people because they're proud and they're arrogant and they think they know more. The minute we become followers of Jesus Christ, the minute we accept him as our Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God indwells us. Do we become a God? No. But the Spirit of God is there to enable, to help us to understand, to reason correctly, to see things. And we're instantly given what is called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but I wasn't real good with self-control before I was saved. Okay? I was a man of excesses. I was impulses and everything. I'm personally responsible for a lot of his gray hair. Okay? Trust me. Okay? But those are wonderful things. Because all of a sudden I found I had the capacity to love the unlovable. To be joyful in you know, difficult situations, but to have peace. Not peace like in, a, in, in two armies calling it quits for a while. No, it's a different peace. It's such a wonderful thing. It's like that, that demon-possessed man that sat down clothed for the first time in his life and in his right mind. That's what we get. That's Christmas. You want a gift? Take a gift this Christmas if you don't know him. You won't regret it. You'll never return it. And life will be wonderful from here on out. So now with heads bowed and eyes closed, a question for us who know him. After what he's done for us, and still does for us, how should we be living? I don't have to answer that. You know how to answer that. You know what's necessary. 
But every day when I get up, I just ask him, please help me to be pleasing to you, Lord, and then to others. Because we are all that know him as our Lord and Savior, ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We represent him to those who don't know him. The second verse of the song we sang this morning, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as men with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. We just pray that if there's anyone here today that has been holding out, that's been struggling, we just pray they would just turn to you, fall into your loving arms this morning, and accept you as their Savior, and let you give them all that you have that's so wonderful and good. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May I have your attention for a moment? I just had one other announcement to give for the kids program next Sunday. We have the attire for the kids. The girls are supposed to wear Christmas colored dresses. So parents dress them in Christmas colored dresses. Boys should wear a suit, shirt, and tie, or black pants with a Christmas sweater. So that's what's the attire for the kids next Sunday for the Christmas program. Kathy wasn't here, and she asked me to announce that. So parents, please do that. Thank you.